this week on the Final Mile podcast, we're sharing the audio from a recent webinar we did on the USPS ban of vaping products. So we're going to talk about the recent ruling and what it entails. We also sat down with Mike Gagan of Midwest Distribution, whose company saw the writing on the wall earlier this year and went ahead and made changes to their supply chain to ensure continued delivery if a ban like this were to go in place. We're going to talk about how they did it and the changes that it took to their operations. We're also going to talk about how you can onboard regional and local carriers and continue delivery without losing that visibility. To see the full webinar, visit eTrackTechnologies.com. Before we get started, I did want to note that towards the end of the podcast, there was a few technical difficulties where we might lose audio and lose connection for a little bit. For more information on the delivery vaping products, we encourage you to reach out to us at eTrack Technologies. You can do this on our website, eTrackTechnologies.com. And we're happy to answer any questions you have about the delivery vaping products. Mike Gagan with Midwest Distribution, who is interviewed on this podcast, is also a fantastic resource. And they, or their company can help you with any distribution needs you might have. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome. Uh, we're excited to have everybody on today. We're going to talk about the USPS recent ban on vaping products, e-cigarettes, um, and we're excited to have with us Mike Gagan of Midwest Distribution. Um, he's going to talk about how it's changed things at Midwest Distribution, how they started the process months ago to get ahead of the ban, and how their business is thriving with the changes they've made. Um, so we're going to go ahead and get started with an overview of what the law said, or what, I'm sorry, what the ban said. Of course, you should have some kind of legal um, advice coming from a lawyer with your company. Do not take legal advice from us. We are not attorneys. We're just in logistics. So make sure you have a lawyer on your side helping you understand the law and how it applies to your business. But as a high-level overview, there were two parts to the law. It affected, I'm sorry, I keep calling it a law, ruling, decision. Um, a law is not the proper term for it. Um, but it did affect shipping vaping products to consumers, essentially banning it. Um, and it affected shipping vaping products to businesses. So it's going to affect you on both sides, whether you're in retail or distribution, selling wholesale. It's going to change everything for you. Basically, USPS does not want to ship vaping products anymore. Um, they didn't specify why, as far as I know, it had a lot to do with the, the connotation of tobacco. Um, they added on to a, a PACT, the PACT Act, the Preventing All Cigarette Trafficking Act that came into effect 30 years ago. Um, so they added on to that to continue to make it more difficult to sell vaping products online or distribute them. Um, so if you're selling to consumers, they basically said you can't do that anymore through USPS. You cannot transport goods through USPS. You're going to have to have a private network um, to help you deliver those products. For business to business, they have said that you can ship the USPS if you are approved. Now, we can go over this a little more with Mike in a minute, but the, the layout of that approval process hasn't been uh, flushed out yet. I believe the comment I heard was they hadn't actually hired anybody to do the approving. So it's going to take a little while for that process to get set up, really delaying your supply chain, and it, you just can't do business that way. So you're also going to want to utilize a private network if you're going to ship to other businesses. Um, in addition to that ban, they added on to that uh, PACT Act to 
give more parameters for how you have to ship. So no matter who you use, USPS or private network, you're gonna have to verify your customer's ages using a, a commercial database. Um, you're gonna have to collect an adult signature or a POD at the time of delivery, verifying that they are of legal smoking age. You, course need to register your business. Um, taxes are a big motivating factor for our government, so they want to make sure that your business is registered locally, federally, you're paying your taxes, um, and you also register with the ATF. Um, and of course, report transactions, which we'll get into that again with Mike in a little bit. Uh, but at the end of the month, you're going to need to report all your company transactions, who you delivered to, what you did, um, where it was going, was it signed for, so that they know you're paying your taxes and of course um, selling to people of an appropriate age. Without further ado, I'd like to bring in Mike Gagan. Mike Gagan works for Midwest Distribution. They're a well-known um, distributor, distributor of vaping products across the country. Um, they were ahead of the curve. I might say they saw this coming down the pipeline. Of course, it's already been limited by UPS, already been limited by FedEx. So USPS was really the last remaining um, large national carrier, delivery carrier of um, vaping products. And they knew what was coming around the bend. So they went ahead and hedged their bets, got started on their own private network, and were ready to roll when this uh, law came forward. Um, so Mike, thank you for joining us today. Uh, thank you very much for the introduction, Emily, and thank you for uh, the overview. Um, again, my name is Mike Gagan. I am Midwest's uh, Senior Manager of uh, front office operations. Uh, what I do here is more client focused um, in, in terms of our interactions with our customers, uh, but I had a big hand in setting up our new uh, shipping solution, uh, which we started work on. So um, uh, look forward to going through this with everybody today. And again, uh, happy to uh, answer any questions at the end if uh, anybody wants to jot a question down. Uh, while we go through this. Awesome. Thanks so much, Mike. Saw it coming. You, you figured there would be more regulation, really make it difficult for you guys to get your product delivered. Um, what did you start preparing to move away from USPS? Uh, yeah, so um, we, we've always kind of wanted to not really have to move away from any of our carrier partners, but this is something that we've been following since uh, December of 2020 when the uh, draft drafts for the uh, COVID relief bill started to include um, some amendments. And uh, without going too much into political discussion, there was a lot of things that were added into that bill. And uh, when it was passed and signed into law by then President Trump at the end of December 2020, was when we knew that the post office was going to be out of the loop. Um, at that time, uh, the perception from a lot of the vape industry was that UPS and FedEx were going to continue to uh, stay in the game and that only the post office was dropping. But very quickly after that in January, FedEx and UPS both also expressed a desire to uh, make an exit from shipping uh, vapor products at least until uh, legislation was pushed again, uh, probably out of an abundance of caution just because it is restricted goods. So um, that's when we really started to work on our alternative carrier network, um, kind of realized that we wouldn't be able to rely on any of the big four common carriers. So 
Uh, this has really been a project that we've been working on since the beginning of January 2021. Wow, so it's only been 10 months. You guys are doing well, um, at least from our perspective, you're doing well. So what? how did you get started finding alternative carriers? What were your first steps? Uh, yeah, so what what we really did is, is um, took more of a, a metrics approach. We plotted out what our uh, shipping density was in regions. So we took uh, our last three years of shipping data and were able to kind of regionalize where our highest density was. Um, and, and obviously we did that so that we could start targeting those geographical locations. Uh, us being in the Midwest, as an example, um, a lot of, uh, a very large portion of our clientele are in the Midwest, um, are in Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan, Indiana, uh, Minnesota, Iowa, and Missouri. That That's really where we've got the heaviest density. So we started here locally to us uh, looking for uh, carriers that were were close by that really kind of got the ball rolling. Uh, from there, we kind of expanded out into other regions again, and basically just made a list, made, made that plan, and then just ran down that list um, going region to region, locale to locale, and uh, seeking out uh, courier partners who could perform final mile deliveries for us. Yeah, and how did that process go where were most couriers willing to take on a vaping customer uh to be honest no actually um again uh vapor products being restricted goods i think that everybody's in a similar mindset where the the good faith argument of the pact act and of the vaping inclusion is really about preventing um online sales to uh minors or uh, you know, unqualified purchasers in any regard, I guess, because, uh, you know, the vaping age is, is part of T21. Uh, so it's 21 um, years old. So I don't want to say minors necessarily, but unqualified purchasers from being able to get the products delivered. No carrier really wants to, well, not no carrier, but a lot of carriers don't want to shoulder that burden. So we did reach some where they lacked the training or they lacked the uh, technology capabilities for being able to do things like age verification, for example. So we did have to vet our carrier partners. Uh, we did that by establishing an SOP list, um, essentially a list of check marks that we needed all of our carriers to comply with. And that included things like being able to perform age verifications and um, also having the technology to integrate, uh, you know, here into eTrack so that we could provide tracking updates and we could give them solutions. So we uh, we did have to vet through them. Um, so it, was, it wasn't as easy as just uh, Googling uh, carriers in, in Florida and then taking the top hit result. Uh, it did take a little bit more legwork than that. Sure, and that's understandable. We've run into that some with carriers who don't want to deliver alcohol or don't want to deliver uh, the higher risk items, the items where there's a little more liability to it. But you were able to build a national network to help you do deliveries. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, right now our our network is able to reach. Um, I think at our last check, we were at about ninety seven percent of all uh, domestic United States zip codes. Um, with a couple of with a couple of small uh, exclusions, um, 
as a really quick example, um, APO, FPO addresses um, still cause like an issue. So there are a number of zip codes that are just from a practical standpoint, probably never going to be deliverable to. Um, so, you know, if you cross off those those types of zip codes, then we're we're covering about 97% of the domestic United States. Hey, within 10 months, that's, that's great. And you guys have that visibility there for each of those carriers. Um, now, how did you have to change your company operationally to accommodate moving to a regional and local network instead of USPS or a, another national carrier? Yeah, so uh, using the um, national carriers, probably the biggest change operationally has been how our technology system integrates uh, and, and how our shipping system works. So instead of being able to uh, loose load a trailer for UPS, um, we have to palletize and regionalize our orders here, which is normally something down the logistics chain that would be done at a sort facility for one of the major carriers where they would be sorting things out into regional pallets. Um, we've had to move that side of the business here. So we did have to kind of restructure our uh, shipping system. Um, we opened up some space in our warehouse so that we could essentially build pallets. So uh, we build a pallet that's going to the Northeast and we build a pallet that's going to the Southwest and, and things like that. Again, very similarly to how it would work further down a traditional logistics pipeline um, for the sort facilities. We've also had to make some technology changes with our website integration with how we communicate to our customers the things like the tracking. And that's kind of where, again, where eTrack comes into play. So operationally, those were probably the two biggest hurdles that we had was taking into consideration some space requirements that we had in order to facilitate smooth operations with our physical goods and then also work on our um, technology and how we communicate the uh, client facing aspect of it. Yeah, and as you've made these changes, how did they affect your customers' service level, their, their happiness with your um, services? Uh, so that's that's really been a mixed bag um, to, to take the good with the bad. Um, we do have to make some uh, some uh, how do I, I <laughs> we have to take some liberty with um, the fact that you know without things like a national carrier, uh, especially with the post office, um, I don't think uh, to to the layperson realizes how reliant we are on the post office to do things. Um, how how many zip codes there are that even big carriers like FedEx and UPS don't reach like uh, for very rural locations, for example, um, and, and how reliant we are on that. So uh, in finding alternative solutions, there's usually some give and take. And, uh, you know, most of our customers have been pretty accepting of that and we've tried to work with them, but uh, longer lead times, um, you know, uh, is one thing, uh, not getting the uh, most uh, bleeding edge technology like uh, the big carriers have, you know, uh, we, we've gotten very accustomed to being able to uh, pull out our phones and get a GPS tracker on the UPS guys. He moves around our neighborhood and you know exactly where your box is at every moment in time. And we have some carrier partners that are kind of on the higher end of the technology level, but we also have some that are, you know, just 
don't have that capability and are probably a little ways off from getting there. So we have to concede a couple of the little perks of life. But um, you know, from the standpoint of the products moving from point A to point B, you know, which is obviously why we're all here, uh, that that's been pretty easy to cover from that side. So uh, summarize, kind of kind of a mixed bag. Most of them, most of our customers you know, appreciate the highs that we're still operating and we have the coverage network we do, but we are respectful that there are still a lot of things that we can improve on in terms of service time and in terms of technology. Yeah, and you guys are only 10 months in, so I'm sure it's only gonna get better as those processes are flushed out, as you learn more. Um, I, Mike, I really appreciate you sharing all this with us. Um, as you guys have tuned in, Mike has agreed to stay with us to the end. So if you'd like to submit questions for Mike, um, you can do so in the panel on this side. Um, he'll stick around and answer as many questions as we have time for at the end of the webinar. Um, we, we're gonna keep going in on the law and other things. Mike, as always, you're welcome to chime in with Midwest and your experience and what you've encountered. Um, but I do really appreciate you sharing as much as you have so far. Let's see. Oh, Sorry, I uh, preemptively muted myself. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much, Emily. And uh, uh, yeah, I'll hang on here and I look forward to uh, getting a chance to uh, speak more if uh, for any questions. Uh, thank you again. Yeah, no, we've only been doing the whole webinar Zoom thing for like 18 months and I still can't get the mute right. I'm still, every time, am I on and am I off it? Anyways, um, so as Mike mentioned, they moved away from their national carriers to a network of regional carriers or local carriers. At each track, we break those out into two different types based basically on the amount of area they cover. Pretty self-explanatory, right? Um, the biggest difference you're going to find is the amount of control you have as a shipper. So with a regional carrier, while you're a bigger fish than you would be with a UPS or a USPS, um, you're still probably a one or not as large as you would be to a local carrier. So your regional carrier is gonna cover, say, the Southeast, while they will provide some more flexibility and some more accommodation than a UPS would, um, they're not going to be as flexible as that local guy. So local guys are smaller. They're, they're more um, hands-on with your business, typically. They know you more by name, typically. I'm not saying that's universal. I've met some regional carriers who are very hands-on with their clients. Um, but as far as being a big customer with a lot of pull in a company, you're more likely to have that with a local carrier. So just size-wise and type-wise, we break them out by regional and local. Um, Mike did mention technology a little bit, so there will be some technolo technological differences between the two. Regional guys typically have proprietary systems or more, um, I guess, more, more technology available to them, while a local carrier might have a smaller system. Nowadays, technology is pretty uh, accessible to anybody. So there are some great dispatching systems on the market that these local guys have access to that are inexpensive, that can provide you as a shipper that same level of visibility that a regional guy has. You just have to find the right carrier. Um, so Mike also talked about finding and onboarding carriers. Um, vaping being a restricted product or a more high level product, um, finding a carrier that's willing to do those deliveries and take on that liability can be more difficult. Um, so the first step is always going to be transparency in what they're delivering, what the expectations are, um, and how things have to be transported. Um, I will say with a smaller carrier, they might be more willing to 
deliver a good, like a vaping product than a regional carrier. That goes back to having more sway, being a um, bigger, sorry, bigger fish in a small pond. Um, they're willing to take on that liability to have a customer of your size. So there is some perks to working with that smaller carrier. Um, that continued visibility is where you get into that technological capability of the carriers you're working with. Because as Mike mentioned, you really need to make sure you have that end-to-end, -end, know where your product is, where it's going. You might not have that GPS capability. Uh, something we found with eTrack is with uh, most drivers now use phones as their, their delivery tool, right? So this is also their GPS. And God love privacy, but it makes it very difficult to track their every move when they have their location services turned off. So that's a little uh, hiccup we've run into or seen before, but it, you still get your PODs, your signatures. Um, a lot of driver applications have that ability to take a picture of a, of a driver's license now upon delivery for proof of age. Um, and all of that information can be shuffled back up to you as the shipper. Um, so as Mike mentioned, there is still some gaps in a couple carriers technology, but there are enough carriers on the market or in the marketplace where you should be able to find a couple that will help you. Um, compliance reviews. So an important point, a part of onboarding is continuous onboarding. So continuously looking at your, your um, delivery carriers, making sure they're delivering on time, getting the, the information you need to turn into the government and making sure they're right for your business. So there is a lot of carriers in the marketplace. You can surely find some that are gonna work for your business and are willing to work with your business. So even if the first one doesn't work, you can find another one willing to help. And agility. So in any business, there's seasonality to it. There are peaks in demand and valleys in demand. So the ability to adjust your network to accommodate all of these um, peaks and valleys is really important. So what we actually recommend for shippers who use eTrack is having a network of regional carriers to cover most of the United States, but also having those local carriers to fill gaps in certain areas to help with um, metro areas. So having a secondary or tertiary carrier to cover Atlanta, for example, having those guys on backup ready to, to help your company when you really have a, a high peak there. Um, but also, you might not need them, so you can kind of turn off that tertiary or secondary carrier during the slower time. Um, but just during the onboarding process, keeping in mind that you will need backups just in case things happen, right? Right. And Mike talked briefly with us about carrier technology. Um, a big misconception is that carriers don't have technology period, which I will say is true for some carriers. You'll run into the guy who uses the Excel spreadsheet every now and then. Um, but most carriers have access to technology or for the right customer will invest in technology. Um, I've already touched on it a little bit, but carrier technology has come a long way, mostly thanks to Amazon. Um, so any carrier can now go online, find a system that can provide you, the shipper, the visibility. So there is technology that can help a carrier run their business, a dispatching system that helps them organize those orders. But the real goal is that their technology be able to send it back up to you. You as the shipper need that information to know your order's been sent out for delivery, that it's been delivered. And also you get the, the delivery information itself. So that driver app needs to be able to send you back a picture, send you back a signature, get your PODs ready so that you have them for your your sake, your customer service, and also have them for your government compliance needs. So all of this information will be sent through an integration. 
So your system, whatever system you're on, should be able to connect to your carrier system. So five years ago, I would say even three years ago, there was a lot of paper that's not needed anymore. All of this information should come back to you in real time at a moment's notice so you can better deal with your customers, you have all of your compliance in order, and you know what's going on with your business. Right. That is what we have to share with you today about moving away from UPS. Um, I really appreciate everyone's time. Mike, thank you for joining us. Um, if anybody has any questions, I don't know that we have much time to get to them, but I will have Mike um, answer some questions if he's got time later today. Um, Mike, thank you again for, for joining us. I hope you have a wonderful day. Uh, thank you again, Emily, for hosting this. Yeah, I really appreciate your information. Everybody have a wonderful Veterans Day. Thank you for listening to the Final Mile podcast, a production of eTrack Technologies. For more Final Mile resources, please check the show notes and visit eTrackTechnologies.com.